What is this country coming to? Hopefully a, a swift conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can only fucking hope. Okay, shut up. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Oh, wow. This is movie this time. Is a, this is a no banter episode. <laughs> We're in. We're cutting um, to the chase. Something that the movie this week does not do. Oh. I'm Ben. Until there's lots of knife slices. Actually, I'm going to interrupt. Oh. <laughs> then they cut to the chase. I sent this to Brandon already because they he's seen it, deep. but you haven't seen it yet. All you right. hadn't seen it yet, but All I'm right. going to read my friend Aaron. Shout out to Aaron Kennedy, who lives in New York. Um, Ooh, she saw it and she said... American royalty. She said it to me... <laughs> Also, when they were in London, I was like, how, with like 20 W's, is this movie not done yet? And then it kept going for so long, I almost didn't want it to end, because I basically surrendered to the idea that this was my life now. <laughs> Just watching <laughs> this movie. movie. What I love about the interminable conclusions in this film, and how they relate to locations, is that we go to London, and then Red Sparrow gets essentially kidnapped back to Russia, mm-hmm. has the shit kicked out of her, is tortured. And mm-hmm. then she's like, she, she she does not speak for the audience, but she says, I want to go back to London. <laughs> and they go back to London. And then there's God still 30 more minutes of this fucking movie. There's so many. This is movies I am <laughs> I'm Ben Empey. I'm Daniel Crook. I'm Brandon Kirby. We are here today to talk about the interminably long, the... Excruciatingly misogynist. The laughably it's so laughably serious that's what i'm trying to say uh red sparrow directed by francis lawrence who directed three pretty solid hunger games movies the film was not written by john le carré it was not written by anyone you would like a cold war globe-trotting thriller from it is plotted very slowly well i'll say this there's a misconception about this movie and how it relates to other Cold War thrillers. And here's the thing, is that most great Cold War thrillers are lugubrious. They move as slowly as molasses. Like, and that's part of the fun, mm-hmm. is the slow burn of it and that you pick up on a piece of information and that it takes an hour of just bureaucratic maneuvering for it to come back into play. Like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy or Anton Corbin's A Most Wanted Man with a really good final performance by Philip Seymour Hoffman, maybe mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. But just, just because movies. this movie is slow does not mean it is an effective Cold War thriller. <sighs> there's, there's, no, there's just nothing better than a, than a mystery that gives you flashbacks at the end of every little piece of inform- of the track that our protagonist was laying uh-huh. covertly in the background <laughs> to frame her creepy uncle. I didn't know it was a twist. <laughs> oh, it was a twist, all right. I also, I, everyone, at every, every single scene, you are so good at this. There's no one better at this than you. Like, what the fuck has she done? <laughs> oh, here's, here's, here's the other thing. What has she it, done? That, that's great. And I also love when they when they say, you know what? You'll be fine. Use your training. And I'm like, what training? How Charlotte how Rampling how staring at her yes, angrily. Rubbing your nipples. <laughs> I mean, the only training was... We didn't even like get an idea of how she was relating to her comrades in training. That's... That... That, like... We watch her be trained to be like a honeypot spy, right? Mm-hmm. Like to like a, a sexual uh, saboteur, manipulation and seduction. But but they're like, no, you'll be fine. Like you can handle this, dude. Think of your training. Yep. It's like she didn't learn how to wield a knife. <laughs> uh, we didn't even see her. She learned how to pick a lock. <laughs> that's yeah, the, that's right. That's the one. I love skill them sitting she... at the table with all the lock picking. <laughs> And everyone has a different, just, a different lock. Can I just quit? Just very quickly. <laughs> I'm not here to defend this movie because I don't care enough <laughs> about this fucking movie. But I didn't want to kill myself during it like you two did. And that's my only defense <laughs> I, of this movie. I, I was in a bad mood for two full days because of this movie. <laughs> this is a movie like Batman versus It was Superman instantly for forgettable for me. It, it didn't affect me in any way. I marginally enjoyed myself during it like i enjoyed jennifer lawrence i enjoyed the slicing of the knives (laughs) and the grafting of the skin but then i left and i didn't think about it 
ever again. And sitting here two days later since I've seen it, I can't. I couldn't tell you. What if it's you about. really want some good skin peeling action, read Haruki Murakami's The Wind Up Bird Chronicle. That's got some grade A action in that department. Like really disgusting and upsetting. And when she's a genius for being like, he wants a daughter in class. I don't understand how that exercise is helpful to just look at a static photo, not even a video. I don't even remember this. In the class, she's like, what do they really want? And the guy is like, someone to fuck. Yeah, and Jennifer Lawrence is like, he wants a daughter. I literally don't. And Tyler Rambling is like, good work. He does not sleep with them. He only buys them dinner. I, I see I don't remember this movie let's talk about the <laughs> accent work in Red Sparrow and let's how. talk about Jennifer Lawrence doing anything with that requires technical precision by her own admission Jennifer Lawrence did no research in terms of getting a dialect down and it shows because she uses the same cadence that we all use for the in Soviet <laughs> Russia blank blanks you <laughs> joke like Everything, every sentence she says has the same up and down pattern, like Rocky Bullwinkle, aye, aye, aye. Like, yeah. yeah, her accent is... My vodka broke. Is horrible. But From I, the moment she was speaking in a Russian accent, it was just like my jaw was on the floor. Also, just her doing ballet. She did that. <laughs> just her doing ballet. I was just like, she's so... kicked in the shin. Not the actress to do this. I agree. She is one of the most expressive, emotive actresses of our generation, but sh- this is not her role. There's a reason why Mother yeah. Works and half of the film is just on her face. We mm-hmm. are able to experience the claustrophobia, the annoyance, the frustration of having no control in her surroundings and Mother because of her expressive face. Mm-hmm. In Red Sparrow, she's asked to conceal all of it, and... I don't know. She she was watchable for when, me. She was watchable. I could. She I, she made me not want to die during the movie. There were so. It was. I don't like, think she's doing anything smarter. Like I don't think she's elevating the material. I, I think that. Um, I believe it was Helen Mirren who said eighty percent of good acting is just good writing, and that's the problem with this movie. Well, and why yeah. I didn't like her. I just she doesn't have anything to do and yeah the no. writing's bad. She she is um it, it, I actually find it really offensive that this movie pretends to be about female empowerment mm-hmm. and it is a movie that it just submits her to ritual humiliation. Yeah. She she gets the shit kicked out of her. She has no agency. She has no agency. She's always in the back seat for the plot. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, you have characters saying like no one is better at this than you. Like, no one can... Nobody does it better. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is not a James Bond movie. Yeah. Uh, you've done a terrible job of lending your your protagonist any agency, any expertise. She just, she just gets... Uh, she just gets submitted to all these terrible... Yeah. Like, I was the, waiting the, for the moment where... Like, okay, we see the first one. She's not good at it. She fumbles. The guy is raping her, and the team has to come in and kill him. And then you think, eventually, she's going to figure this out. And, like, we, that's not the story in any way. That's one of the worst scenes I've seen in a studio movie in years of... Her, she's you know she's being saved by her assailant and mm-hmm. his throat is being uh, slit basically and then she he just bleeds out all over her and mm-hmm. it's almost to be some sort of like perverse like origin story like this is her toxic goo that the Joker falls into that turns right. him into a supervillain yeah. this is what turns her into an avatar for female empowerment it's like absolutely not the the, the faux female empowerment is 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 really wrong headed mm-hmm. here I'm not even sure that they knew. Well, obviously, you can't make this movie where they triple, quadruple down on this concept. Mm-hmm. They made this movie thinking it was some sort of feminist. Yeah, like film. that scene, uh, the that scene were in the in the in the bar where she. That's like a scene where she takes control and like the guy when uh, the first yeah that's the first guy that does yeah. rape her and she does it yes and she's like uncle... she frames him on the mm-hmm. camera like if you try to do I don't know. Yeah. Nobody I don't remember either. this movie. <laughs> it's forgettable. <laughs> it's instantly forgettable. It does the same thing that Zack Snyder's do for me. Uh, Zack Snyder's films do for me, which is it gives me permission to lean into my own depression. Like the, the movie <laughs> is just so sad and wrong and covered in shit. I've that, been eating a lot of popcorn during that. Movie. I, I, was a, I ate an entire popcorn. Film. What? Batman v Superman is a delightful film. Nice. Yikes. I love that. That movie, movie came out on my birthday weekend and I <laughs> It was it's so sick. fun. Ugh. I will. I, I want. I do want to say that this movie. It's insane that this is a major studio film. It's. It's. It's 
actually insane. I can that. see why it was greenlit. The idea of Jennifer Lawrence playing a badass Soviet spy who uses powers of sexual manipulation and mind games in order to set her and her mother free. I would greenlight that. When yeah. and then Disney turn- is not making a Black Widow movie and there is a movie that you can market as a Black Widow origin story. Mm-hmm. Because, do you know about this? Uh-uh. Black Widow is a Russian ballerina who, who grew up in ballet, doing ballet. And she was brainwashed by the government mm-hmm. and i don't know where it goes from there but it deviates assassin. but it's just like there is this like window dressing that is the same and like when the trailer dropped wait this is the scarlett johansson yes black widow movie we could be getting yes well why haven't they but made it i guess yes. it's i read well, some articles you know about it today <laughs> and like it really is just the window dressing like that's where the comparison stops yeah but it's That's like enough that Fox could market it to the Marvel fans. Mm-hmm. And of course, it got greenlit once you get John for Lawrence. I all. felt this yeah. terrible double feeling where I want this movie to make money because I want Jennifer Lawrence to be a bankable movie star mm-hmm. outside of the Hunger Games franchise. The entire campaign is centered around her face, and I want mm-hmm. audiences to buy into her. Right. We can talk about Jennifer Lawrence and some of the terrible things that she said recently, but I just like the idea of like a woman being able to launch a big opening weekend for a studio picture. It's sort of like we need that. Well, passengers did make money, right? And that's the other example. It came in at number two behind Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. But then at the other time, this movie is so. I feel like as a man, I'm saying this is so bad for women. Can I say a moment when I laughed in this movie? Yeah. When she quietly says to Matthias Schoenhartz, is that how you pronounce his name? Matthias? Sure. The hot? Uh, yeah. Spill the Matthias. You send me to horse school. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, okay, maybe part of my enjoyment with this movie was was my setting of where I saw it. I saw it at the Vista, full packed house. I could have seen this at the Vista? No, 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 sorry, not at the Vista, at the at the Vintage, the Lost Fields oh, 3. Oh, sure, oh. yeah. And, but it was in the big theater. Love okay. the big theater. In, in, in the Lost Fields I've three. never been in the big theater there. It's I've only favorite. heard of it. It's, it's great. Favorites. I've it's heard about it. <laughs> it's one of my it's favorites. Everybody has a good seat, even if you're on the side. Okay. So my audience was, they were having a great time. A lot of laughter. Like, my, no one was I had a, a fairly <laughs> I had a fairly packed audience for a weekday matinee, and no one was enjoying it. And I actually was really terrible because when Mary Louise Parker got hit by a bus, I busted a gut. And like, uh. he, he, and people like turned around at me like, oh no, my audience burst out laughing too. Everyone was like <laughs> gasping and like, oh shit. And like, um, you also went Friday night. Yeah. yeah. I went opening like opening night. night. So I think I had fun with it because it's, it was, it's high camp in a high, it's high gloss. High it's not at all, actually. <laughs> but, no, no, but it's like high—it's high camp covered in this like sheen but of like camp. self-seriousness. But it's not. But it's not camp because no one apart from Mary Louise Parker is doing camp. No creatives in this movie are trying to achieve camp, and it's not. And obviously, I mean, I don't think you have to be. No, hold on, hold on. There's a difference between creating camp and then it being the byproduct byproduct of an earnest attempt. But it's so overthought that there's no earnesty in this movie. So I can't really view it as camp. I think that you need earnesty for camp. Yeah, I just don't think it has the effect on me that camp needs to have for me to consider it camp. It's also not fun. Uh, like, yeah, I, don't I think had it's fun, fun though. I don't think it's what fun. was funny to you about it because apart no, from not Marilou- funny, but it was like there were moments where like it was enjoyable. It wasn't why though. I'm trying to think back. Like the Mary Louise Parker, there are the- like some like. Wannabe Verhovenness in it, so it right? yes, so there's yeah, extreme there's some violence and extreme sexuality. Yes, that like it does like get me a little, but it's just like, but it's not played for any commentary. That's the whole point right. of Verhoeven's hyperbolic Correct. expression. It yeah. doesn't. I don't think it works. It's so at odds with the rest of the tone of the movie. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about real quick. I just want to put on before we move past this. I actually don't care if this movie makes any money <laughs> the first opening weekend because. There have just been so many... I'm, like, buying into this bullshit idea that women still need to prove that they have box office power. Like, we're, we're in a... We're seven years past Bridesmaids. Girls Trip just happened. Like, you don't... This movie doesn't need to make a ton of money. So yeah, I actually it, am going to check myself on what I just said. But 
We can talk about depiction versus endorsement if you want to. Sure. If we're going to talk about uh, the violence in this movie and whether okay. there's any sort of critique going on. Because with, Ver- with Verhovian violence, it's always some sort of satirical expression mm-hmm. through really uh, bloody means that hold up a mirror to the audience, right? And I don't think this or movie... Or it's Nomi Malone fucking in the pool like an... In... This this could have been Soviet <laughs> showgirls yeah. is what I kept thinking about. It really it yeah. could have been. Yeah. And it was almost like with the violence and with the sex... Part of them wanted it to be that, and part of them thought that they could achieve that, but it doesn't work with the rest of the movie. Yeah, there are moments, a lot of it is very, it takes itself way too seriously, but there are flashes of camp for me that I, that I, that I saw, and maybe it was my audience enjoying it, I don't know. Here's how I feel I think it was partly who I was watching it with, too. Obviously, people taking this product very seriously, and then it... My audience, and then and then, play, and then actually plays in a different key than intended. Yes, camp can arise from that. You yeah. have to have interesting scenarios on the screen in order for that to happen. You have to have motivation. You have to have character. There, there are no characters in this movie. We don't know anything about anyone. Mm-hmm. All we know about Jennifer Lawrence is that she loves her mom. She loves her mom. That's it. Yeah, and her mom, who like we don't even know what her illness is. That's She's the same motivation as the net. Right. Well, yes and no. Um, I love the net. We we can't. We'll, we'll talk about the net. We'll talk about the net. But the net. Anyway, <laughs> I have, I've completely. Uh, we can we can keep moving on here. I I did. I love the moment in this movie. This is why it gets one and a half stars instead of half a star. <laughs> um, is when Jennifer Lawrence takes off all of her clothes and sits on the table and spreads her legs in the school and we don't re- we don't see her vagina but we yeah. do like when she's getting undressed but like in the shot the guy is in front of her mm-hmm. and but she man spreads in front of mm-hmm. her yeah. and it's a power gesture it is and that she's is like, like fuck me and he yeah. doesn't want to and it's like he can't get that up. is was the tone of the movie they could have gotten away with a lot absolutely more. no because that actually is a moment of it's empowerment but it's yes. also yeah. a really sharp critique of that toxic masculine perspective mm-hmm. where, yeah. and, and so we're talking about the uh, attempted rapist mm-hmm. uh, who earlier in the film tries to rape Jennifer Lawrence in the shower. Once the power is taken out of it, once the control Charlotte is Charlotte Rampling out of says, it, give him what, what he wants. And so Jennifer Lawrence does the opposite and she, she just faces him what he wants, but she gives him the opposite. But because she has all the power, I mean, oh. so much of... We've you know we're talk we've been talking about Weinstein we've been talking about Me Too we've been just been talking about toxic masculinity misogyny and power and so much of it has to do with control mm-hmm. like that is why that is why a lot of men commit sexual assaults mm-hmm. and once Jennifer Lawrence's character is the one who is spreading herself who is the one she's basically leaning back in a recliner on the on this table and she's daring it's Sharon Stone it's Sharon Stone exactly when she's daring him to do it he can't get hard he's yeah. like trying to masturbate himself but he just can't get hard because the control he doesn't have the power yeah the control and the power is taken out of the equation and I, I really, like that scene it's that I wish the rest of the movie was like that I do yeah. too and I don't think it is yeah Th- those moments carried me through I just don't think there's enough of like I guess Charlotte Rampling. Well, yes, yes, there isn't enough Charlotte Rampling. <laughs> but it's what am I trying to? Although the like, movie did feel like forty-five years. Yuck! 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 Ooh, I love humor. That was a very Michelle Michelle Visage laugh. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's there wasn't like... enough what Joel Edgerton, but. Well, there wasn't enough of that. It was good when he I got Joel Edgerton pool. does nothing. I like that he absolutely nothing over the course of the film. When he does gets he? Out, when he gets out of the pool one time, it's like he has a nice like flat tummy, mm-hmm. but like there's not much going on above the lung area. Mm-hmm. And and then at the end, like yes. when he's when he's tied up to the chair and getting skin grafted, like he is muscle. Oh, he's flexing. He's tied up. He's flexing. <laughs> this is one of the least sexy movies I've ever seen. Yeah, the sex scene where oh, this is this was the biggest laugh in yeah. my in my uh, showing of it. The sex scene when Jennifer Lawrence decides, okay, I love Joel Edgerton now, and then she like sits on him and they fuck, and then after she finishes and climbs off, then it like does this hard cut to like her just like in bed sleeping with like fucked up blonde bangs. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> her face just looks so dumb. <laughs> so, with her this up bangs. gets at what my problem with the movie is. Is it's it's fine to like not know in like a spy situation which side the protagonist is playing for but i don't think she knows (laughs) i was thinking i was thinking about that too because every time she would switch allegiances it was just so boring and usually a good spy movie the double crossing is where a lot of the tension a lot of the excitement comes from but it was more like a fucking seesaw motion and Mm -hmm. the seesaws are for goddamn children i just i just don't believe jennifer lawrence it no. really comes down to I didn't believe. Her I don't think she's really conflicted at all. Yeah, she's she you, she never feels great about the so or Russia because it's a mm-hmm. contemporary film, and pretty much from the from the get go, she's thrilled to swap sides with the Americans. Mm-hmm. Like when when she's peeling off some of Joel Edgerton's skin, you know she's only doing it to buy time before she can knock the. Uh, oh, did tomorrow you? never dies. Were, were you guys that? not fooled? No. Oh, I was. I wasn't. I no. I knew <laughs> I she was. Dumb? She was sacrificing country for love. I knew that's what this movie was. So even when she takes the thing, and you you knew she, was I just still knew good. that this movie was. We don't even so know if she was doing bad. It. Yeah. My opinion was this movie is so bad. She's obviously doing this for a man. Yeah, I mean, it made the, the internal it logic of the film. passengers all over again. Mm-hmm. I guess I just don't understand <laughs> so much. You got so sad. It, it makes me sad. <laughs> it does not make me I laugh. I mean, this movie okay. definitely does not have any met, uh, women in the creative. Obviously. No. <laughs> Nowhere to be found. It was, it was a man, ri- a, a novel written by a man. Mm-hmm. A man who adapted it into a screenplay and a man who directed it. It's just so inconsistent in terms of her motivations. She's doing all of this so her mother can have health care and mm-hmm. can be safe. But first of all, we don't even know what her ailment is. She basically <laughs> has like Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Factory grandparent disease where she can't get out of the fucking bed. Like the first time we meet her, she just well, no, she's just her sitting hand, on the- her hand is weird. Her she can't grip or something. So so why does Jennifer Lawrence have to help her? The first time we see them together, she's like, "Hey, mama, hey, little mama," and then helps her stand up from the bed. And then the next, like for the rest of the movie, when we're seeing her, she's just like strolling through yeah. the hall. It's so inconsistent. Yeah, and like, and she sometimes can't go to the bathroom alone, but sometimes she can. She just seems <laughs> shy. Honestly, <laughs> she's just a shy. But nice, it's but always then, nice to see a Richardson on the screen, though, isn't it? Is that a Richardson? Jolie. Oh, of course. Like, I knew I her. recognized her. Yeah. But then the, at the end of the movie, there's no real sense of resolve to- towards that character. All We just get sort of the bitterly ironic... They return. <laughs> She's just... They eat their sad little meal together. Yeah. <laughs> but this is, I guess, why, like, the... I, I do wonder on some level if the movie is trying to have some sort of bleak and cynical take. Mm-hmm. And that... She's not going to get the storybook ending. She's not going to get the man. What she's going to get is just like a boring. She does get the man. It wants though. the Michael Clayton ending. It wants. I was going to say it wants like a loveless ending. No, she does get the man at the end. He calls on the phone and plays with the, the song. music, but they'll never be able to be together because he can't. They can't. Oh yeah, I guess because she's right. anything. Pretending to be a Russian. So she has a pin pal now. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. This this movie is the way Ben feels about Loveless is how I feel about this movie. And that's I also how I feel. I don't about see this movie. any humanity on display. I don't see any characters worth rooting for. I don't think. I just even if the movie is trying to say something about allegiance or just blind allegiance to the state in Russia and how you can either die or operate within this corrupt system and, and self preserve you and your loved ones and mm-hmm. at what cost with that Michael Clayton at ending. What cost? There, it's not a it's a completely static idea and the way that the filmmakers express it is just by making everything bad all of the time mm-hmm. there's it's there's no nuance to it whatsoever and then when it tries to have that sort of ironic ending where she she wins a medal and and she's in her uniform and there's like mm-hmm. a 21 gun salute basically and Charlotte Rampling is smizing smizing <laughs> at her smize, yeah <laughs> it, it just it's not earned it's boring mm-hmm I hate this movie. I do too. I almost am like out of things to say. We're 25 minutes into this Why don't we talk about Mary Louise Parker? I know. That's like all I have else to say. I'll I'll do my impression of Mary Louise Parker. Fuck it. (laughs) I mean, we've said this multiple times, not on the mic yet, but she's the only one who knows what movie she's in. Oh, well then let's 
Uh, okay, so what? Let's just do it. Let's well, talk about it. So this movie is a B movie. This is a stupid exploitation film that mm-hmm. should be treated as such. It's someone, all, someone. It's a parody of a John Le Carre story, yeah. and yet Mary Louise Parker is this wasted chief of staff to U.S. senator who likes her ladies. Uh, waxed Russian and blonde <laughs> is the only person who gets what sort of movie she's in. She walks in with these like aviator sunglasses on and is like vodka <laughs> to the bartender. Vodka. It's great. And then and then uh, when Jennifer Lawrence goes up and is like, I am here to escort you to your monies. And then she's like, she's Wow, like, Jayla, are you in the studio? She's like, I don't know where they find you, people. Like it's just so note perfect and ridiculous and sloppy and mm. exaggerated right tony award winner that's right mary louise parker mm-hmm. and emmy award winner queen one of my favorite actors of all Love. time harper pitt harper pitt did i just spit in your eye brandon no <laughs> no 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 when she i'm a bear <laughs> Oh, can I take this moment to say I rewatched Annihilation and it went up a full star, baby. Hell yeah. That I fucking bear. Because I haven't had time. Ben, see the film. Well, then we need to have less homework for this program that we record every week. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've been busy, bitch. Wow. It was the Oscars. I had to watch three billboards a second time. Should we talk week. about the Oscars or should we talk about Mary Louise Parker? Future Oscar winner Mary Louise Parker, if this last year is any indication for the wrong role. And then all the what? gays will root against Mary Louise Parker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when, when she wins her Oscar. Mm-hmm. That's how it always is. I like when she got hit by the truck. Best yeah. part of the movie. When oh, she, when my she God. literally walks into traffic. <laughs> She's so drunk. <laughs> so disoriented. And it's the first time the camera starts to reflect She's the interior like, oh, state oh. of a character. <laughs> She's so scared. <laughs> She's like, and she turns around and bam! <laughs> You're dead, <laughs> bitch! And everyone is like, "Oh, oh no. my God, Mary Louise Parker got run over." I would have loved it if, like, when Mary Louise Parker got hit by the truck, a bunch of feathers just started going everywhere. <laughs> a lot of red feathers. <laughs> I just—I wish that was just the end of the movie. She took the money. <laughs> Oh my god! I just like when she drunkenly like stuffs the the suitcase into the garbage. <laughs> she's like, they can't find me now. And there's two guys watching her. There's do three it. guys. <laughs> but how iconic! And what did, what did she say? I'll pour it myself, Bart. Bert. <laughs> Boris. Boris. Why don't you pour me a drink, Boris? I'll pour it myself. <laughs> Oh, Mary Louise. Steals the movie. Truly a Beatrice straight moment. It is. Well, that's um, all we have to say about that movie. She <laughs> shows up in that bar wearing a pink fucking coat. Two bags. When she, she leaves with two bags on her <laughs> arm. And she has, like, the Power Woman pose. Yeah, yeah. Like that. I'm she doing looks like, it. She looks like Anne Hathaway it. in The Devil Wears Prada in the montage where she finally starts to understand um, how to work in the fashion world, and then she's out on the street and poised and confident, like, but the midpoint when she's, like, overwhelmed with all the bags mm-hmm. and just, like, loosey-goosey yes. in, her, in her gait. Mm-hmm. That's Mary Louise Parker. It is. Mary Louise Parker's Red Sparrow. Red Sparrow. You know, good for Jennifer Lawrence for just being like, yeah, Francis Lawrence, I trust you. Where does the red come in with the sparrows? She's Russian. Right? Yeah, that's that's literally it. What do the sparrows do? I'm very unclear on that. Do they just learn how to seduce? Yes. Does that mean Carrie Russell in The Americans went through the same training? I mean, this is a fictional novel. (laughs) Carrie Russell is part of the KGB. Wait, but I, I thought... Red Sparrow, the not. I thought it was based off an actual government program. Is it? No, no, no. But I thought I, I thought the writer of whatever the movie's based off of based it off of his experience. The, the, the novel is written by an ex CIA officer. Oh, oh, not so, a, so maybe oh, that my. explains why this movie has such an, an an antipathy towards that character. <laughs> if he's still and he got bucked. All right. Yeah, right. Also, there is like one like geopolitical moment that's interesting, which is like Charlotte Rampling talking about how the West has fallen to social media, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are busy, busy with their tweets. <laughs> Stop tweeting, and Russia must stand. 
Yeah, she's, the like, movie, she's like, we gotta be bad for a minute. The mm-hmm. movie tries to establish really, a really, really hard to be contemporary. And like Charlotte Rampling and really sold that speech, and I was just like, why is she not the lead of this movie? We could have watched her rub her <laughs> the, the, the nipples. nipples of her pupils <laughs> for twenty five minutes. Oh my god, two hours and twenty five minutes, rather. If you do not succeed, I have to shoot you in the head. <laughs> I will shoot you in the head. That's all I got to say. But it is like. There are so many, like, moments where it's like, if you just keep going on this path, it'll be a good You're movie. you something. With the sex, with the violence, with Charlotte Rampling, with Mary Louise Parker Camp, it's like... With Jeremy Irons, boom, 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 boom. None of this works all together. You have to pick one. Well, yeah. you, know, you know what you yeah. need for that? You need, what you need for that is a director. Mm-hmm. And Francis Lawrence has no sense of style. He's cobbled this together from Ben says Steven Soderbergh. I say a little bit of Soderbergh, a little bit of Fincher, Fincher. a little bit of Tomas Alfredson. I don't know who that is. He directed mm-hmm. Let the Right One In and Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh. Just sort of these hazy, muted palettes. The, all the ceilings of the Fincher stuff and then mm-hmm. sort of the weird jaundiced look to some of it that Soderbergh does. Did you guys see the trailer for Unseen? The looking through the window is so Soderbergh. Mm-hmm. There are so many window shots in this fucking is movie. Is Unseen the, trailer the, the phone Unsane Claire Foy movie? fucking amazing. Looks incredible. Incredible. Yeah, that trailer's been out for a while. I just saw it like two days ago. It's amazing. My girl. Claire Foy. I still haven't Claire seen the trailer. Foy! She's gonna be a fucking movie star. She's done with The Crown. She's not locked into this show for seven years like most people who do TV are. She's done. She's she won a SAG award and now she's gonna be a movie star. She's gonna be the next girl with the dragon tattoo. And I fully believe Oh fuck, that's right. right? And I fully believe that she will do great. Another movie that this movie is ripping off pretty hardcore. Uh David Fincher's the girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh yeah, it's 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 trying. Classy Mm -hmm. um, When does Unsane come out? Soon. It is soon. I forget when. March twenty third. Baby. They shot it in a Friends of a friend of mine's apartment. Oh, how fun. How fun is he that? He was texting like, I let these people shoot a movie in my house and I don't know who they are, but like, they're shooting it on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Woody Harrelson is directing a movie in my apartment. <laughs> Woody Harrelson in black frame glasses. He does look like Woody. All right, well, so let's start our theme. Steven Soderbergh Soder- has the best at on Twitter. What is it? I don't even know he's on Twitter. Bituation. Oh, that's right. What? <laughs> he's so good. All right, so I am. Things. I just want to. I just want to put it on the record now before we go into our theme. I'm officially in a really sour mood talking about this movie. Well, it has been in a literal. I, I want to go to bed. Seventy-two hours. I got out of the movie with like seven texts, and I was like, if one more person tries to contact me today, I will kill myself. That's. I how- was so annoyed with everything when I got out of this. <laughs> movie you uh, my jaw was on the floor for at least three hours after i was like that was two and a half hours of my fucking life i will never get never back. get it back <laughs> well we chose to do it I, for this I know. fucking podcast i can feel the bags underneath my eyes right now <laughs> just growing well, you know full disclosure the plan was we thought we were going to be so lit on the oscars that we would talk for 30 minutes on the oscars and then we do a little mini mm-hmm. in the same episode yep. we just chat up uh, we chat about red sparrow which also came out oscar weekend mm-hmm. and then that would be the episode Right. But Spoiler alert, out, the Oscars were fucking boring as shit. Yeah, can we just talk about it now? Let's sure. do it. Let's okay, so let's just talk about the Oscars now. They were boring. So, The Shape of Water won Best Picture, which I predicted. Good job. But no, 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 don't congratulate me because what I'm going to say, I, I was going to say this either way, whether I got it right or wrong, but the one thing you knew was going to happen after these Oscars is that whoever got it right, because it was a quote-unquote unpredictable year, there were so many different statistical statistical arguments mm-hmm. that whoever got it right was going to be like this is the new academy right like and these are the new stats that matter right when really it's like actually the preferential ballot the 10 nominees the nine nominees like however you want to do it like no we won't understand what this means for at least another like five or six it years. doesn't right. mean anything it was a movie so about- i got best picture right and i don't know a fucking thing is what i'm saying right no one knows. it's a movie about hollywood mm-hmm. and it won Right, right. I do. That think- is nothing new. Mm-hmm. Yes and no. So yeah, we can talk about that. So I, Ben and I, I mean, were talking. But, but that's okay. Let me backtrack because that's not to diminish the importance of this win. I still think it's an exciting movie about minorities and a minority winning and blah blah blah. But like, it's still a movie about Hollywood, and that's probably you know 
I part, think of, part of why it... It's probably... And again, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but that's probably what pushed it over the edge, was that it's a movie that wants to fuck old Hollywood. But regardless, I don't... There is such a difference between a black and white homage from mm-hmm. France mm-hmm. to classic Hollywood silent cinema, mm-hmm. and an extremely imaginative hybrid of the Cirque melodrama, of the creature feature... Of an outsider narrative defeat, like, toppling the patriarchy, yeah. and it involves a mute woman fucking a fish, and then on top of it, like, there's just, it has such a deep sense of longing and loneliness, and this is a, when you look at content, this is an extremely atypical film to win Best yes. Picture, and I am not so cynical as to dismiss this as just the artist winning Best Picture again, I agree. and I don't even like this movie very much. Um... Now I just sound like an asshole. Well, that was my intention! (laughs) To crucify you! I think... I mean, I I think this is a good win. It's not three billboards. Thank God. Honestly, that's probably the most relief I feel. It's it's the safe win. I love The Shape of Water. I gave it five stars on Letterboxd. I love this movie. I I love Guillermo del Toro. Brandon and I are taking off our jackets and rolling up our sleeves and punches are about to be thrown. I don't mean to diminish this win, but I do think it wanting to fuck Hollywood affected the Academy. I think it probably pushed it over the edge. I think that's yeah, I think the Academy, more than just, like, they are, like, oh, my God, I love movies. I do think there's just, like, like, what Guillermo said, Spielberg said to him. Did he say this in a speech? When did he say this? I don't know. I've listened to so many things in the past, like, five days. I don't know. Spielberg told Guillermo, like, with this movie, you are part of a long tradition. Right. I think, more than anything, it's that the... The female melodrama of the 1950s and the creature feature of the 1950s were looked down upon in the day. And this is their way of looking back and saying these movies did matter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really nice. That is exciting. Too. Yeah. That's I do too. very nice. I also... I... Del Toro was predominantly speaking about the influence of the creature feature when this movie first came out, but mm-hmm. obviously there's such a relationship between the mise-en-scene expressing the interiority of the character's feelings mm-hmm. and emotions. It was so gratifying to hear him, and this wasn't the first time he talked about Cirque, but when he explicitly invoked Douglas Cirque. Right. Only to, to you know, Guillermo del Toro is a to say he's like a student of cinema would be to undersell it. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think that you can say, I, you know, I've, I've, I've heard some things about how this is such a boy movie. Like it's some like horny boys take on, uh, you know, on, on like she fucks the fish, right? You know, it's reductive. She fucks the fish. It was like, no, actually he was uh, taking cues from a dismissed cinematic tradition mm-hmm. uh, of the, the woman's weepy, the woman's picture. Yep. Mostly, uh, mostly by Douglas Sirk that were actually legitimizing women's feelings. Yep. And, and, and putting them in, in domestic scenarios where predominantly it just been seen as housewives and that the idea of getting... he ba- Douglas Sirk showed that like one of the ultimate tragedies you could receive as a uh, empty-nested mother is your children giving you a television instead of telling you right. how much they appreciate the job you did raising them. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that becomes a tragedy. Yep. And so for Del Toro to bring that up, I just don't... like. He's an outsider. The characters mm-hmm. in his movies are outsiders, and he is... Uh, furthering and celebrating an outsider tradition that existed in the Eisenhower era, which was yeah. decidedly not about the outsider. So right. I, I'm very excited about And I think it's him. really beautiful the way that Guillermo is able to like speak for women, essentially, because yeah. he's done it in so many other movies. And in this in particular, it's like, yes... Eliza, I knew I was going to get there. Eliza is you in danger, girl. Yeah, Eliza's lonely, but she's not unhappy. She, she has, has a routine. A, she has a routine. She loves her gay faggot friend across the the way. She loves to masturbate in the tub. She loves to masturbate in the tub. Boil she some eggs. She this loves is, her eggs. This is a movie where the female protagonist joyfully jerks it in the tub in the first Within five minutes of five the movie. minutes of the movie yeah and this is your oscar winner, winner. oscar best picture winner 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 ding 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 no i i okay i don't mean to talk shit about i'm honestly no, i know uh, brandon but i'm, I'm not even i'm not even saying that i I'm, I'm i i was responding to what you were saying but my point was not to say brandon is wrong just in, well because ter- i don't think that's what you're saying in terms of what was up it was between Three Billboards, Shape of Water, and Get Out. And Dunkirk. Mm. 
Uh, Dunkirk won three awards. Yeah. It was in there. Yeah, <laughs> all right. The most... Okay, mine is, apart from Dunkirk, mm-hmm. the safest choice won. In, yep. your, in, your, in your safe choice is the safest choice out of a horror film about racism, mm-hmm. a, a, a B-grade Cohen's film that was about whether or not it fails, right. about, you know, contemporary issues. And, and I actually, if you the way that I can give Three Billboards the most uh, leeway is just by thinking of it as a movie about anger, which is what the movie is strong as speaking about. So right. you have an angry movie, you've got a horror movie with uh, a social critique, mm-hmm. and then a sci-fi movie about a mute woman fucking a fish. There is right. no safe choice there. I yeah. agree. There is no safe choice there. Dunkirk actually is the safe choice. When people, right. And Dunkirk's experimental for what it is. When people say The Shape of Water is the safe choice, they just mean I don't like it. And <laughs> I do like it. No, I'm, I'm not saying I don't like well, it. Well, it's relative. But when people... I do think that's what people... Like, they're trying to dismiss it yeah. when they say it's the safe choice. And what they're trying to say is, I prefer Get Out. <laughs> Right, Which yeah. I think we and all agree. do at the table yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, agree. Yeah. But I think The Shape of Water is such a solid choice. And like, f- even five years ago, this is not the front runner. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we have a tendency in, in this horse race to pit players against one another mm-hmm. in a zero-sum way. And to say that if, if you think that Guillermo del Toro should have won Best Director, you're saying that Greta Gerwig didn't deserve it. Right. And you see Greta Gerwig mouthing, I love him, mm-hmm. when Guillermo is accepting She's the first picture. person on her feet when they announced the name. Yeah. And the first one on her feet for Jordan Peele, too. So, yep. like, yeah. it's just, when you're on the campaign trail with you're making the friends same along the way. people, you make lifelong friends. You are in, like, the trenches for six months with the same seven people at every awards show. And you just... You... The Oscars are really the... Friends we made along the way. It is That's right. That's right. Not me. The, um, the, the two... I actually, I honestly think I lost friends along the way. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm pretty yeah. sure I lost friends along the way because I didn't like three billboards. The, uh, I didn't. The uh, the the two best moments of the night for me were Jordan Peele winning mm-hmm. and believe it or not, Francis McDormand winning. It's I mean, not even believe it or not for me, like. How do you argue with that? Moment? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it was it was the top. Mo- those two were the top. When moments. that was my that was my favorite moment. When well, yeah, she yeah. said her husband moments, yeah. and son give her everlasting joy. That's so beautiful. There's also I I think um, I didn't read too much coverage today, so this must have been in the Mark Harris piece because I definitely mm. read that. But he talked about how we are used to seeing Francis be so flippant and dismissive of the whole pony show, but to right. see her like she really embraced to, it. To see her like nervous and and, uh, fidgety is really thrilling. She does love the awards. It's like Isabella Isabella Pear. But she doesn't want to campaign for it. And I think that's respectable. But she will show up and she will, she acknowledges the importance of it. Mm -hmm. She just doesn't want to like do the bullshit. The glad handing. Right. Yeah. I think that's that's very commendable. And it's like when she she put the Oscar down Mm -hmm. so that she could talk freely and she pats its head. And and she also she was putting it down in order to have a call to stand for all the female nominees in the room. So she puts it down in order to like really to to rise above the moment, but she's she doesn't my the whole reason I brought it up is like she clearly is respectful of that award. She knows it means something. Mm-hmm. She only put it down to make an even more important statement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the moment of the whole ceremony for me. It was like yeah. it's the second to last award. It was already three and a half hours, and she completely changed the energy in the room. Absolutely. Going into Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a snooze before she accepted her award. Uh, apart from a few splash right. moments. And Let's not forget, they used the clip of the deer. That's and, right. Uh, ben, our like room to... erupted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been masquerading on Twitter <laughs> as the deer from Three Billboards. It's my most successful enterprise on the internet in history. <laughs> you know what I was wondering the other day is like if I should start a parody account, but just actually as myself because I feel like I'm masquerading. A parody like everybody of yourself? Is. No, no, no. I, I guess I don't have to say not a parody of myself. But, like, actually being myself, which is a parody in a way. Humanity. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So it was really exciting when I saw the deer because I've really embraced being the deer. (laughs) (laughs) And any movie where 
someone talks to a deer. That just like gets you. I guess you That's know how you it win. gets you. This it is an audio uh, medium, not a visual one. So you, I guess we'll just bring it up now. I've been recording for about forty-five minutes. Ben is in face paint. He has put one <laughs> little white dots on his cheeks. He is I'm wearing, wearing whiskers. antlers. Yes, I'm on all fours. <laughs> You're recording from the floor. He's using a toilet paper tube as a little tail that he's attached to his ass. <laughs> wow. Uh, that yoga's been paying off. You know what I did think about during Red Sparrow? I'm going to take us back right now. Sure. I almost said Jeremy Renner. It's Joel, Jeremy Joel Edgerton. Oh, what's no, the difference? I mean, I know. Future Best Director nominee, Joel Edgerton. Joel Edgerton takes the gun and puts it in his back the way so many men in movies do. Movies. Mm-hmm. But what I thought of was is that does that not evoke a dick in your ass? And is that yeah, not what it does? Lot? And like this is the masculine version of that. Absolutely. And like it's literally the same physical sensation. It's a dick it's, in your can, ass. It's a dick in your ass. Can we talk about dicks in Red Sparrow real quick? Sure. So I don't think I think that Oh when the guy strips down. Right. I guess. We do well, see the guy. Well what's great yeah. about it is um that I don't think that we should just laugh at nudity when we see it on screen. I don't think we should laugh when people have sex on screen unless it's mm-hmm. meant to be played for laughs or unless the nudity is meant to be played for laughs. But right. just like the idea of a naked body on screen should not make you do a little titter in your seat. And yet Red Sparrow, you see him like start to undress and then we just cut to see like shots of Charlotte Rambling and Jennifer Lawrence talking to one another for yes. like a minute. And then we cut to a wide and he's been naked for a while. Yeah. Like he's just been waiting. Like you get the sense that he's just been standing there with his yep. dick out with his fucking arms crossed Correct. waiting for instructions. Mm-hmm. And just like get dressed. So then he just yep. picks up it's his good. That's hilarious. Whole, that whole sequence is good. I would like to segue into the 1990s female-led thriller and the best one of the genre, which won Best Picture Silencio. of the Year, The Silence of the Lambs, starring Academy Award winner Jodie Foster. I love a Academy Award winner on crutches, Jodie Foster. presented <laughs> to Fran last night. Mm-hmm. So perfect. With, With Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence, the star in, in of the, Red Sparrow. I guess it's, you know... Nice. We, I could talk a lot of shit about the Oscar producers this year, and it's because, you know, I'm a pretty self-loathing person, and if I'm being honest, I produced the Oscars, nice. and the, oh, I, congratulations. I, I got, thank you so much, I mean, don't thank me, it was a terrible show. I did a really bad job, I did a really slapdash Jimmy job. Kimmel cut off the other producer of The Shape of Water. Yes. <laughs> that was so embarrassing. So bad. For Jimmy. I just want to say- I, Oh, was it him who cut him off? Jimmy, like, yeah, the like, mic- jet ski! The mic turned off- and then Jimmy was basically like, what would you like me to get out there? And then was very quickly like, okay, well, we're done. <laughs> it was like, yowza. The anti-Marketer. Jimmy's not Nova. good in this situation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we learned last year, yeah. when he says, why can't they both have it? Yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, I produced the show and I put in a really sneaky movie Zymo promo by having Jodie Foster and Jennifer Lawrence present together. And we were hoping Get Out would repeat what Silence of the Lambs did. Yes. We did. We were. February to February. Best happen. Picture winner. It's horror still, movie. It still is the first horror movie to win an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. Well, since... Oh, no. Silence of the Lambs is adapted. What I said was true. Oh, very, is, very, very interesting. So, I, I mean, Get Out should have won Best Picture in terms of which contenders had the best chance, but... Mm-hmm. I just don't want to make a narrative about Get Out like having a bad night. Like it no, I had a great night. Yeah, it's still Jordan Peele got his moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and every time there was a Get Out clip, it got the most applause. It got the most applause. Mm-hmm. Beloved film, best original screenplay winner, um, and still future best picture winner. Yeah, it's future, the best, future picture. best picture winner. Get Out. Yeah. I'm just gonna say that until I die. Never For, stop. Forever and ever. Um, do you want to tell him? <laughs> Um, what oh are God. the what yeah. are the themes? You know, you know what the theme cities of the world, eternal flame, and movies. movies. And <laughs> the theme of the Oscars was movies, yep. and the theme of Red Sparrow was cities of the world. Yes, and the city of my soul is eternal flame. City of my soul, whatever. So what are you doing, I'm just losing my. He's mind. being the He's deer. Being judo. He's getting some oats. <laughs> I'm doing Tiffany Haddish, <laughs> who wore three different dresses last she night. Um, ben. Tell us what the theme so, is of this episode. Well, I've already said it, but we're going to talk about the Say it again. Explain it. I just think, in the, what, where Silence of the Lambs succeeds 
and Red Sparrow fails. I mean, this is a there's a long litany of where to start. I know, but I think the most basic is we're dealing with characters. Yeah, Silence of the Lambs uses this plot to explore the mind of Clarice Starling Mm -hmm. and her past and her history and what she's trying to do and what she's. What she wants in her life the and why she that, wants the it. The system she's fighting against both at work and for work. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it is as simple as Oedipus Rex. Like, there's no water in the city and that leads him to discover that he's fucking his mother. Yes. But we have here just like, I'm going to send you to Hannibal Lecter. And she believes it has nothing to do with anything. And it takes her on this rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. I think that The Silence of the Lambs is a, just a, real quickly uh, compared to Red Sparrow when how Red Sparrow maybe is trying to articulate some sort of statement about how difficult it is to be a woman in a man's world. Mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs does it in visual storytelling, does it in far and do, does it in provocative ways that further interrogate the character's interiority. Whereas Red Sparrow just is literally like throwing blood and shit and dirt all over Jennifer Lawrence and saying, "Look at that! Isn't that unfair?" When instead, Jodie Foster's, like, Clarice Starling has so much agency, and yeah. you see her fighting against this thing continually, and that makes her a hero. Yep. Anyway. And I think another place where it super succeeds is two-thirds of the way through Silence of the Lambs, you realize that, yes, Hannibal Lecter is trying to help Clarice because he likes Clarice, but he's, all he wants is to break out. He's just, he's a hungry he is, boy, he's he, thinking about dinner. He is. <laughs> The whole movie, he is angling for his way out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is why, like, that role gets to be best lead actor and not best supporting actor is purely because we realize he's playing so many different chess games at once. He's the maestro. Mm-hmm. He's orchestrating the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Even if he's only there for he's 45 doing, minutes He's of doing time. what they say Jennifer Lawrence is doing. And then yes. I mean, we find out what she is doing. It's like, you're always one step ahead, aren't yes. you? Yes. But no one has to say it. In, right. In the Silence of the Lambs. That's the other thing about Red Sparrow. It's like, you're the best at this. You're always one step ahead. It's like, mm-hmm. you have to show her doing this. You can't just yeah. say it. Yeah, you know, she doesn't just... do anything. Clarice show, don't tell. is also actually the best at this. She sees the bug in the person's throat. And the man just dismisses it. Probably swallowed it in the water. There's debris. It always yeah. gets in there. But... She fine. She's like, no, something is lodged in there. And then the other corner is like, do you want to go out after this? <laughs> Every I'm... dude in Sounds Lance is constantly angling to go out afterwards. Mm-hmm. And she gets cum thrown at her face. Oh, God, it's so rough. I love the the. And then shot. Dr. Lecter calls her back. Clarice, go to Clarice! <laughs> <laughs> I did the, the you look like a rube. Mo- uh, monologue in like you a, look like a room in like middle school drama class. What? Oh my god! It's like thirteen from an early age. Ben Empey has taken a serious <laughs> liking, a serious uh, you know father figure type thing. There was this tweet going yeah, around like, what was the first time you saw yourself represented on film? And I joked it was Mrs. Danvers and Rebecca, <laughs> but it was Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> that is probably the first gay character I like. Was like. There he is. I never that's, related to any characters on screen until I saw Karen Crowder in my play. <laughs> Just there's Gavin or Pitts. There's my balance. When you finally saw her, there was your balance. <laughs> it's me. It felt nice to be represented on screen, mm-hmm. all sweaty and insecure. Um, ben, I like the shot you tweeted um, of her surrounded by the men in the elevator. It's very good. Oh, it's a great shot. It's very good. And then you see that going around the internet so much, you forget that it's a split second moment yeah. in the film. Yeah. It's so good. When I watched this for the first time a year ago, yes, yeah, that's I know. wild. That's in. I know. It's cool. I after she does her lambs speech, mm-hmm. I had to pause the movie because I was crying so hard. Mm-hmm. Damn it! Like I was like just I was a little bit drunk, but like I was so like the person I was watching it with like was like. Are, are you okay? And I was like, I think like, I was... I grew up on a farm, too. I, <laughs> I think my response name was just like, it's just such good cinema. Or I don't know, something. It is. It is. It is. No one does. No one has ever done close-ups as good as Jonathan Deming in the mm-hmm. American cinema. That's a very hyperbolic thing to say, but he does them very well. Like, and the this, square on This close-up. movie is like... 60% close-ups, mm-hmm. too. Close, and but cutting like, between close-ups. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, perfectly centered, usually. Mm-hmm. Direct address to the camera often. 
It makes you think about, um, I mean, we all know that Paul Thomas Anderson right. loves Jonathan Demme. Mm-hmm. Makes me think about um, Amy Adams' close-up in The Master. Yes. That's, oh, yeah. That's the Jonathan Demme mm-hmm. close-up. And I just think <sighs> Jodie Foster gives just one of the great performances in the American cinema. Just doc- Dr. Lecter. Tell me! <laughs> this is a this is a, a trying episode for me to get through. When she, I didn't rewatch it, so I'm a little, oh, I'm a little fake cloudy. On I just it. love like the light surrealism in it when she is going to f- see the body, and all of a sudden she's at her father's funeral mm-hmm. in the same building. It's a it's a wonderful cut, mm-hmm. and she's a child again. I had forgotten that we see flashbacks at all. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen this movie in years. I I watch it a lot. First time I saw it was visiting a friend in the hospital when I was maybe thirteen years old, mm-hmm. and we had a VHS copy of it, and we watched it on a hospital TV. But it was like four like four or five feet above us, so like bolted onto the corner of the wall. Mm-hmm. I, so I always think about hospitals when I watch Silence of the Lambs. Oh, that's so interesting. Which I, is very fitting. That is yeah. very fitting. I saw it on TV for the first time and like it was a secret. My mom told me specifically, you can't watch this movie till you're 16. And I twelve, son. watched it like in the dead of night on TNT or whatever. Ooh. And then when I was like finally 16 and rented it and realized how bloody it is. Well, really, it's when spared, I when I realize that it's about a trans villain, because that's oh, not yeah. on TV, that moment. I mean... Not? Oh, him tucking? Him tucking is yeah. not on TV. That makes sense. Um, TNT can't And it's like, yeah, that. he's making a woman skin suit, but it's just not... I mean, at 12, when I watched it, I didn't get it. Yeah. And then, like, it's just mind-blowing that this is what this movie is about. Yeah. It's art. It is art. Well, let's talk about some other movies. Can we talk about The Net? Let's talk about The Net. The Net and The Pelican Brief, directed by Alan J. Pacula. Okay, The Pelican Brief is another one. The Pelican Brief... Brief not being the operative word. The Pelican Brief of our homework and our film assignment, Red Sparrow... Only the Pelican Brief was excruciating torture for me. All of them were, except the Pelican Brief. No, and the Silence of the Lambs is not right. obviously. I almost don't the even Pelican Brief the Lambs. is so boring. So is the net. The no. net is riveting. The net is propulsive. It's goofy, I love it's the net. I love the net. The net is a movie uh, that my family would watch. The net just religiously to flowers, and it's just like oh my so god. So does so does Atonement. <laughs> <laughs> the net, the net is so ahead of its time, and that it predicts the net how we, predicted the internet. It, not just the internet, how we will all be held hostage by the internet, and how the, the her, her monologue, the nude leak. That's the nude leak. That's, that's what you're saying. Her yeah. her, her monologue yes. to her her friend lover who like Cyberbob. No, not no, no, no. The the, the guy one the who want, the one no the guy who wants to like date her and then he dies. He he. <laughs> He oh, Dennis a, Miller? Yeah. He's a silo at this point. He, when she's like, that, when she's like spiraling and she's like, everything's on the internet, everything's on the computer, they know everything, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, preach it. They sure do. They sure do. Living that Sandy B. Life. I wanted <laughs> us to watch these movies. Really? Yeah, you assigned them. Yeah, really them. just to discuss the fact that in the 90s, Jodie Foster had these movies Julie Roberts had these movies. Andy Bullock had Sandra these Bullock had these movies. Mm-hmm. Today, who has these movies? Jennifer Lawrence. She's the only one at the studio level. Like who? Who else? You could argue uh, Melissa could McCarthy be in. Is not doing thrillers. Yeah, we're talking about thrillers. She's not doing thrillers. But Melissa McCarthy and Jennifer Lawrence and Meryl Streep are the only bankable like studio actresses. Right is now. is there anyone who could have played? The lead in Red Sparrow, like who else? Emma could I, I can think about twenty other people who could have done it better than Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> but who? But bankable. Did do we know the box office situation for the movie? What did it open to? Uh, sixteen. So so, so Jennifer great. Lawrence didn't even really do very much. So that's not great. No, it's not. But it's Jennifer not Lawrence great. is considered a movie star. Boris. Yes, although this movie is unfortunately going to have a 
I think it's going to have a serious reverberation on the project that she leads getting financed. Next. And I believe she's doing another move with David O. Russell. So you know the people are going to be gonna get lost already in today. People are like, you know, the Jennifer Lawrence movie isn't doing that great. And like, mur, 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 it's mur. not her fault. That doesn't matter. Well, she's certainly not helping. When has that ever mattered in Hollywood? I know. Jennifer Lawrence is... Let me just say up front that I am disgusted every time I think about her story about rubbing her ass oh, on, yeah. on an indigenous... The Hawaiian. Yes, was on, it Hawaiian? I, I believe it was a Hawaiian it rock structure. It was for Aloha. No, no that was Emma, that Stone, was Emma Stone, Stone in that movie. But you know, Aloha means hello <laughs> and goodbye. Whatever. Right. I was for the say, Hunger Games. That, that drives she was me crazy. In Hawaii. That drives me crazy, and I think you should take her to task for that. Yeah. But it really does drive me fucking crazy how Jennifer Lawrence can't take a shit without everybody saying that Jennifer Lawrence is a shitty actress. Right. Leave her the fuck alone. I mean, she made the movie sucks. I think mm-hmm. take the movie to task. Um, but I don't think this really means anything about Jennifer Lawrence that, that right. she's that like you know there's gonna be some people who are like I was proven right I've always said she sucked yep always said she sucked and now I mean I people are gonna take this one two punch of Mother and Red Sparrow and dismiss J Law yeah. going forward she goes, yeah she goes from her best to her worst performance <laughs> do oh do we do you guys think Mother's think, her I best think Mother I think Mother and then Winner's Bone. You know what I think her best performance is? The Beaver. Which is a bad movie, but I think it's her best performance is Joy. She's great in Joy. She is fucking, I like Joy. She is fucking Commands the screen red hot. Fire Red hot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she's very good in Joy. I think her best performance is still Silver Lion's Playbook. The I one, mean, it's just the one she won her Oscar it is, for. I think it demonstrates the charisma in the clearest way. Charisma. Her uniqueness and urban talent. Guys, we didn't talk about the net. Uh, I will just say no. there's a there's a moment in the net when Sandy is swerving off the freeway from the cops into a pile of rocks, and there is a single piano key that goes dum 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 on the screen, and I thought to myself, I do like the Strangers on the Train homage in there's the merry-go-round thing. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that, but I was also like, why is this happening to me? <laughs> why was I born a train? <laughs> I think that the net and Wendy and Lucy share a common idea where the best way to wake up in the morning is in an overnight parking lot. Someone knocking on the window. Hey, get out of here. Get out of here. Pizza.net. <laughs> I love I love all of her. her. She's booking her flight. She's she's booking a lot of things on the she interwebs. Is. Yeah, Amazon. And I love I love Craftsman Ru- House in Los Angeles. I love which Ru- she pays nothing for. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Bob lives in West, West Hollywood, California. Mm-hmm. That's right. Me, California. a young faggot, watching this movie with my parents. How did I? I didn't know. You were like, hi ho, Silver. I was going to be living in that city. Who knew? You didn't know. I didn't know. Wow. The things we learn about faggotry <laughs> from a young age. <laughs> we either need to take a break or we need to wrap it up. This is one of our shortest episodes in a while. Um, <laughs> unapologetically. Because, I mean, we said more than the movie says. So there's that. Good for us. Good for us. <laughs> Close us out. This has been Movies IMO. My name is Ben MP. You can find me on Twitter at Real Hands. My name is Daniel Crook. You can find me on the internet at Daniel Crook with three O's. <gasps> and I'm Brandon Kirby. You can find me on Twitter at BK Kirby. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Please listen to please, our back catalog before please. you do this. <laughs> Please listen. <laughs> I beg of you. Uh, I'm asking for one thing in this life. Please, and it's five stars. Please. <laughs> what is this from? <laughs> Nothing. It's just for me. You guys. I just please. lost my mind. Wait up. Wait up, you guys. <laughs> don't. Guys, Wait just, up and give us five stars. Just don't listen to this episode. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, is take this as an opportunity. Uh, oh. Guys, here's the best part about this episode. No one is tuning in for the first time because they're dying to hear Red Sparrow commentary. <laughs> True. If you made it this far in, I hope that you... You're still <laughs> listening to the episode. Work. Please at us and let us know you made it this deep into the Red Sparrow episode. <laughs> Give us a shout. Why did we... 
why did we choose to talk about this movie? Here's a challenge. Tweet at us with your favorite characteristic or attribute of the Red Sparrow character, but it can't be loves her mom. <laughs> Good luck. Okay. Um, you can find us on Twitter. All right, now. At MoviesIMO. Next week, we are going to be talking about A Wrinkle in Time. Going to talk about Miss Ava DuVernay. And we're going to talk about Disney. The Disney Temple. Disney tent pole. Ooh. Poles. Mm. I love a tent and I love a pole, but I'm not going to like these tent poles. I love to pitch a tent. (laughs) What? I hate us. I do too. I wish we were dead. Same. I wish the Oscars had killed me. I wish I had my heart had stopped. It's too bad that you couldn't take the CGI antlers from the CGI deer and kill yourself in a get out maneuver. Mm. Spoiler alert for get out. Honey, if you haven't <laughs> Yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, you're dumb. Oh. Wow. Well Feisty. I don't have anything to say about Jean Dielman in this episode, Ooh. but but I'm glad she's around. John Dealman also. I'm glad John Dealman's in jail and didn't have. John Dealman also went to whore school. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> you sent me to whore school. <laughs> That's not the voice she sent in. John Dealman, the original sexual saboteur. <laughs> the winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much.